Hello, Middle Age Gamers, and welcome to a new year! We hope 2022 will bring you many joys. As for us, we will try to predict what this year got in store for the gaming world. Send us your predictions on our YouTube channel. And now, enjoy the show! Hello! We're welcome welcome back. We are in the future, and I just realized that I forgot to put Antoine in frame. So let's go ahead and add him real quick. <laughs> There Are we you go. Zencaster? I am recording on Zencaster. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm going to apologize for that terrible intro. Okay. So anyway, welcome to the future. Uh, we are now in 2022 and we are back with a whole new episode. But before we begin, I would just like to remind everyone out there that is watching and listening to this to subscribe, ring the bell, whatever millennials do these days. And that way you can be here on time for the live show and that way you can enter the chat and have a chat with us because sometimes we have topics that might just be relevant and with formalities out of the way we are on to today's topic Antoine do you want to fill them in or do you want me to do it all right so basically just to cover the fact that we had a massive lack of ideas about today's sim <laughs> Adam picked a, a wide range of topics that we're gonna simply discuss and react to today of what we are expecting for this year and, you know, things which are going to happen or may happen. That's right. Am We're I, looking I, into our crystal ball. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're looking into our crystal ball for 2022 <laughs> and we are going to make predictions about what we think is going to happen this year because it's a new year and it's fun to guess, do some guesswork. So we're going to start off. Uh, let's start off with VR. So VR obviously has been a big thing for a while now. People have been talking about it. PlayStation had the VR and we're still waiting on VR for PlayStation 2. So Antoine, what do you think is going to happen this year in VR? Do you think we're going to see any changes or anything new or is it going to be another Maybe. quiet year? Uh, hopefully. Uh, VR was very limited by the fact that it was very expensive but I think uh, it's kind of an old info, I think, but was it the Oculus which went down to the $400 range? Something like this this year? So what I see, or I really hope, is going to happen this year is that, you know, the price tag is going to get much lower, or at least a bit lower, so it's going to be much more accessible to us, so that I can enjoy some VR. I'm not sure if I'm going to really enjoy it, because the first time I tried it, you know, in a, in a display in a commercial center, I played on some video game, not Forza, but something like this, you know, like a race game, and I tried three minutes, and after I was like, oh, pff, I'm going to stop for a minute <laughs> I don't feel so good. So VR, my first experience was a bit, you know, strange. But again, it was the same when I played FPS, you know, like uh, first playing sh um, shooters back, you know, 10 years ago when I was starting to play a game like this. After half an hour, I would feel a bit dizzy and after I adapted to it. So maybe it's the same for VR, but hopefully, you know, the price tag is going to get lower and it's going to be much more, you know, like available for players. Because there has been very few, very big name, game name in VR. Things have been Half-Life Alyx, which was a big hit. But apart from that, I'm not sure there was a lot of stuff like, really to notice on it. I know that Hitman, he wants to do a VR game. And that's going to be extremely fun. Because <laughs> just like this, playing with... a uh, mouse and keyboard, I found it fun, so I can't even imagine if I can be the one, you know, having the extinctor or something like this, and uh, 
boom, <laughs> shoot someone like this. That would be very fun. Again, problem of VR, you need quite some space, and I don't have that space. So here's what I thought, and uh, you know, I really hope it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we're going to, I don't think we're going to see too much. I mean, I'm sure we'll get something. Like, for example, the PlayStation 5, they released, was it last year or the end of the year before? They released a, the picture of what the controllers would look like. So we got a, an idea of what the controllers would look like, and then we haven't really heard anything since. So I don't think it's quite ready yet for sale. So if it does go up for sale, I would assume it'll probably be towards the end of the year, maybe for uh, the Christmas season. But yeah, I don't think we're going to see too much in terms of PlayStation VR. Hopefully we do see a lot more stuff, though, on the PC, because, yeah, now that it's getting cheaper and, and whatnot, we're going to hopefully... You know, it's going to be a little easier for people to get their hands on it and have a little more fun with it. So I, I do hope that we we see that. And but you're right, yeah, VR with the uh, you do need a lot of space, especially if you're going to be playing a game like Hitman or something like that. I think now I've seen some. There are some interesting people have been experimenting with VR because one of the things that I've heard is the hardest to to do with VR is is just movement because that's what tends to make people sick because uh, you're sitting still, but your character's obviously running around. And so I know a lot of games have been kind of experimenting with that. So they've been doing things like uh, there's one where I don't remember what it's called, but you're sitting in a chair in a room and you're supposed to it's kind of like a, a it's kind of like an escape room. So you're supposed to like, you know, like you can kind of grab things around the room and, and, and look at them and, and try to figure out a puzzle and stuff like that. But you're sitting stationary in a chair. Other games, you know, obviously you do have to have some sort of movement, but I've seen things where they have it where you kind of teleport around. Uh, so mm-hmm. you yeah, throw a grenade or something and you just appear like that and that's supposed to help with the movement. I've, I've often wondered though, like for example, maybe if instead of moving your body around, maybe if you were inside something, like inside a car or something like that. Like for example, if you did a, a like an armored core or a mech warrior game and so, you know, you're inside this console so you you know you you don't feel like you're moving but you feel like it's moving you yeah, know kind of yeah. like you're flying like a drone or something like that yeah 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 like uh yeah so you, you feel more like you're controlling a drone or something like that maybe that would be a little bit better yeah. but then like at the same time i'm like i don't know if that would really work or not because then it's kind of like well why do i need a vr thing if i'm just going to be sitting in this console why don't i just use a keyboard and mouse i know that vr is working extremely well on game which has a very strong ambiance. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it right, mm. but like horror games. Like horror games, you don't need to move too much because, you know, the space would be quite limited, like a home or something like this. And it's on your head. You have no escape. You're in there and you're going to scream if it's well made. So I know it, it works well for it, but I know I think it's Doom, if I'm right, that uh, had a VR version. I just don't like so much, uh, you know, you have to click to advance and stuff like that. I think they're going to be a big boom in the future. I'm thinking five years in the future, at least, when you have this omnidirectional uh, carpet. You know, you're, you know, you're on, you know, this little fence around stuff, and you can run and everything without actually falling, or you don't need that much space because it's just basically a big round. But I imagine it's going to be quite expensive, but like a Wii Fit accessory, you know, for the Wii, uh, something like this. It's a quite a little investment at first, but that could be fun because that would limit the space and you would feel that you are actually in the action because you are actually moving and not just clicking on the... But 
that's not for 2022. So <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, I was thinking about that just now. I was like, oh, well, yeah, why don't we have more like exercise games and stuff like that? But then I'm like, no, the, 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 you have this big bulky thing on your head. That's probably the worst possible idea is to be jumping around and, you know, doing kicks and stuff. It's just probably, no, that, yeah, now, now I understand why we don't do that. Yeah, with, uh, you know, with the technology advancing, it's going to get lighter and lighter. And as long as it's oh, well yeah. screwed on your head, it's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, they even have, uh, was it the Google Cardboard where you basically just have, you know, your phone sitting in front of your face. So, I mean, you know, that's not super heavy. It's a little bit heavy, but uh, yeah, I think the idea is eventually to get it just to kind of basically be wrap around sunglasses effectively and get it out that way. But that technology is obviously still far out there. But yeah, that'll be interesting to do. And then with uh, things like haptic feedback, that'll be interesting as well, especially if you can get it into those controllers like what the the PS5 one will ha- uh, has or the what's the one that Steam uses it's got like a but anyway you know if you can get something with haptic feedback with little you know things for the fingers then you could actually almost get a tactile thing so it's like oh you're you're feeling something hard or you're feeling something soft or um so that'll be interesting to see yeah and then uh, yeah and then imagine uh, 10 years in the future with uh, ready player one who only not only has the the remote but the actual full body uh, you know, like the guy can feel everything because he has a bodysuit. Yeah, yeah. For the VR. Yeah, I don't really That's know how that would even work, but uh, no I've idea. seen I've seen the prototypes of things like that, and it's it looks like a it looks kind of like a military vest. You know, it's this big bulky vest you wear on it, but it's got all these little actuators in it. And if you get shot, it's got this little it's just got tons of little hammers in it, basically, and they just boom, boom, boom. You know, hit you hey, where Korean. you got hit. Oh, hey, <laughs> yeah. Korean things, this treadmill-like device already exists. Yes, yeah, 3D does, treadmills exist. But it's too expensive and too bulky. That's why I'm saying you need to wait for the technology to advance to make it lighter, you know, more like a, like the Wii board, you know, more like, not toy-like, but more like a gadget. You can you can buy 700 US. Eh, fair enough. I didn't use that, that, but I still think that it needs a bit of improvement because it's it's as Imagine for the right now, take a PC. You need a nearly $1,500 or $2,000 PC to make it run, you know, the VR game. Then you need the $5,000 to $1,000 headset. Uh, then you need a space for your room and everything. Plus a 700 USD treadmill. All of this combined, that would be a good, you know, 4000 price tag. Plus, again, there's not a lot of game which actually you know, make you want to buy VR. You know, like, you have the new um, Zelda coming out. I need to buy a Nintendo. You have the new whatever uh, Half-Life coming out. I need to buy an Xbox. You don't have this yet on VR, the uh, the wow factor that makes you think, I need that. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say, oh, and then also, yeah, you need a PC that's able to run it with a graphics card. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why that's why I was saying you need at least a one thousand five hundred or two more like two thousand dollar PC because you need yeah. it's gonna it's gonna get hot, huh? Yeah, it's you gonna get real cool hot. System. Yeah, it's gonna get yeah. really hot. All right, so I think we've uh, talked enough about VR. We can move on to something else. So let's talk about game streaming. So game streaming is another thing that's uh, been talked about quite a bit. We have things like Game Pass right now, but uh, you know, xCloud, NVIDIA, uh, was it GeForce Now, 
Stadia, Amazon Luna. Do you think we're going to see any of these things really coming into fruition this year? Or do you think it's going to be more talk? I mean, we do have some of them. You know, Stadia's out. Uh, GeForce Now is out. I think xCloud has started to do stuff. So you think we're going to be seeing more of this in the coming year? How is Stadia faring since it went out two or three years ago? (laughs) Well, I mean, but how much of that is... uh... How much of that is the technology not being very good? And how much of that is Google just having no clue what they're doing? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Honestly, I don't I don't see the point. I really don't see the point because why no. But you you tell me, but for me I I have tried. Uh this was not Stadia. Honestly, I don't remember the name, but in Canada like this, there was a site where you could uh, you had a library of 500 older game. You could just get them, no need to install, you play it. And uh, there was nearly no lag and all, so it was nice. Just, you know, I played one or two games, not even finished them. And no, it wasn't interesting for me because I play, I said it many times in this show, but I play one or two hours a, a week, so I need six months to finish a very, very long game. And I need to pay every month whether I play or not. And it's okay. I just need to wait for a Steam sales, buy my game extremely cheap, especially it's an older game. If I don't want it on my computer, I deinstall it, and that's all. So I, for me, I don't really see the attractiveness. If you have time to play a lot of games, and if you're into retro gaming uh, for this, that's great. I don't know what title you have on Stadia. Definitely they won't have the exclusive, but Okay, fair enough. What, what do you think? I, I just don't see the potential in there, but that's maybe I'm just in the old fashion. Uh, well, I mean, for somebody like you, I don't think it makes sense because, as, as you say, you don't have that much time to play. Uh, but I think the idea is that, for example, right now, you know, if you're trying to get a good graphics card, you just it's almost impossible. It's really hard to find them, and it, it's just going to get more difficult as things like NTFs and. Uh, uh, I keep calling them NTFs, NFTs and uh, cryptocurrency get more ubiquitous, more common. Uh, but so getting these, you know, nicer graphics cards are harder to do. But for example, the I, the idea behind cloud gaming or game streaming is that assuming your internet is strong enough, and that's the real thing, is you need a really solid internet connection on both ends. Uh, but if you have that, then I don't have to buy a really high-end PC. I just need to buy a monitor, effectively, or a TV. And what would happen is, you know, I'm I'm playing over the internet. Hopefully, it's fast enough that there's not too much lag. Apparently, what Stadia was doing was they were also having adaptive AI that, as you played, it would learn from the way you played and it would assist in what it assumed you were going to try to do. So for example, if you were playing a multiplayer game uh, and it knows that, you know, you, and it's, yeah, so it's supposed to kind of like, so that way it's supposed to reduce lag. I, from what I heard, it's really wonky early on, but the longer you play, the better it gets. Uh, but the idea is that I don't have to buy a really nice graphics card. I can really just have a monitor and maybe a dongle and that's it. And then when and then that's the thing is like, so for example, for you, like you only play, you know, you only have so much time to play, you know, maybe two hours a week or so, which means that if you buy a really expensive, nice PC, most of the time it's not being used for gaming or it's just not being used at all, you know, or at least not for gaming. 
Whereas with streaming, when you're not playing, somebody else can be using that PC. So then you can get these big companies like Google or Microsoft or Amazon, and they can just have these huge farms of these PCs. They can just buy up tons and tons and tons of these graphics cards or, you know, all the things they need for these really nice rigs. And then, you know, they're getting the most out of it because it's constantly in use. Because as soon as you stop using it, somebody else picks it up and starts, you know, is using it. And so because of that, uh, you know, it it can kind of, in theory, it could reduce the cost because, you know, it's getting used basically 24 hours a day by somebody. So, you know, it can be, if you have, you know, if everybody's playing two hours a day, you're basically sharing the cost of a PC over 12 people. So you're, in theory, should be paying around one twelfth the price. I mean, you're obviously going to be paying more because you're going to be paying, you know, they need to make a profit. They can't just, you know, make up the cost of the PC. But, you know, if, even if you're paying one tenth of the original price, the idea is that you are saving money uh, by doing this. And so that's the idea behind it and how it's supposed to work. But I, I think the problem right now is just Internet is not as consistent across the board for everybody. Um, I think with 5G, it'll be better, but still, even then, during peak hours, it's going to be really, really crazy. And I think the other problem is similar to what we've seen with uh, Final Fantasy XIV, where when the uh, when the new expansion released, you know, there were queue times of thousands of people. I would I would log on, and it's like, okay, you're in you're in you're number four thousand three hundred and thirty five. And I'm just like, oh, man. And I'm waiting two hours to, to log in, and it's still not logging in. You know, I'm down to the thousands now. So I'm like, okay, well, I still probably have another half hour before I can even play. So, you know, there's the idea that if you have too many people logged in at peak hours, then can you always get, a, you know, a position in the queue? Or, you know, but then... But then at times, do they have just machines sitting around doing nothing? But at the same time, say something like Final Fantasy XIV, which is, you know, flavor of the month, you know, the new expansion. Hey, that's great. Let's all log in. Let's let's renew our subscriptions and play for a bit. Okay, I'm done. Moving on to another game. You know, in, these, in this case, as long as people are playing, you know, the number of people playing a game might fluctuate. But I don't know if the number of people playing games fluctuates all that much, with the exception of, you know, maybe during holidays or... Uh, you know, in a pandemic situation where people have more free time. But, you know, during the general year, you know, because there's always some game that everybody's playing, you know, Halo Infinite is the new flavor of the month or Final Fantasy 14 is the new flavor of the month. So, so yeah, I think the idea with streaming, I think I, I get the idea. It's just a matter of the technology in terms of lag and, yeah, mostly lag is the biggest issue. If your internet's not stable, then, you know, yeah, so for 2022, I don't think there's going to be massive improvement because the technology is not new. As I said, Stadia is already, what, two, three, maybe more years old. And we don't hear it much on the news. So honestly, I don't know if there's a lot of investment in this kind of, of venture. So for this year, I don't see any breakthrough, to be honest. So we'll have to wait a bit. I don't know what you think, but definitely uh, I don't see anything uh, coming this year. I think I'm going to go the opposite. I don't think I, th- I think Google just had no idea what they're doing. From what I've heard, they've just basically done no marketing. Have you ever seen a commercial or an advertisement? No, for, never. 
Yeah. So I think I think that was just Google has no idea what they're doing in terms of gaming because they, they, they know a lot of things. They have a lot of money to throw around, but they don't have experience with games in the same sense that uh, Xbox does. So I, I think we're going to see I think Xbox is going to lead the way with xCloud. I think they're going to come out with something that links in with Game Pass. So, yeah, I think I think Xbox is going to do something. And then I think I don't think Netflix is going to release this year their their game idea. But I, I think they're going we're going to hear more about it in the news. And as far as Amazon Luna, I don't know that I'm a 50 50 on that one because that one we haven't really heard much from. So I don't know if they're still pursuing that idea or not. But Amazon has more experience in at least streaming because they have Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely think we'll hear more about XCloud. I think XCloud might even always be out. AWS. I'm not sure. Amazon Web Amazon Web Services. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, I think I think Amazon. We might hear something about the Luna, but I think the big one's going to watch out for this year is going to be XCloud. I think. I think. How do I say this? <laughs> I think Microsoft is going to to be leading the way on this on this front. I think about that. So I, we were gonna. I was gonna move on to talk about uh, these kind of live service games or these uh, kind of things like what uh, su- subscription game things. But Korean wants us to talk about NFTs. So no, do you no. know what an NFT is? I know it's not a cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's similar it's technology. I read. I read it in English. I didn't understood. I read it in French. I even understood even less. So no, I honestly. Non fungible, non fungible token. So yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to explain this badly. So thank God we have Crean in the chat here. He's going to correct me because I'm going to say that I'm going to I'm going to give everybody the completely wrong idea. But uh, a fungible something that's fungible is something you can exchange for an equivalent value. So basically money, you know. So you can say like, oh, okay, uh, I can exchange this one dollar bill for another one dollar bill, or I can exchange it for uh, you know, one dollar's worth of whatever. Whereas some things you can't really put values on in the same sense. So, for example, I can't walk into a store and show them my phone and be like, "Okay, I want to give you this phone, and in return, I want to buy eight thousand coffees." You can't do that. You can't just leave your phone at the counter and and buy things with it. So that's kind of what fungible, non fungible is. Is basically something that you can't exchange as currency and so the idea is if i'm understanding it correctly uh these non-fungible tokens are basically certificates of authentication in a way so for example if you can create correct me if i'm wrong here but the way i understand it is for example i have this uh this cloud right here on the fenrir okay And so he's sitting there back there. And when I got that for the collector's edition, then was it the the people that make that model? Was it Play Kai Arts? They had just gone out of business. So they only made so many of these and there will never be more. Now, this is common for collector's items. And what you might do, for instance, like if you have a coin or something like that, a lot of times you might have some sort of certificate that says, you know, this is an authentic blah, 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 blah. You know, so for example, if you were to have a baseball card or something like this and you were to sell it in an auction, if you have that certificate, then 
it verifies, yes, this is authentic. Yes, this is real. And that adds value to the item. You know, whereas if I just show up with this over here, you know, but they can't authenticate that it's, you know, number 8,423 out of a 10,000 series, it's not worth as much. So having that certificate of authentic authentication uh, increases the value of the object. Now, the thing with non-fungible tokens is that these are effectively, it's something that authenticates yours in a series. But the thing with online things is so, for example, in real life, the factory that sh that creates this is, you know, they shut down. So those molds, I don't know what happened to them. Maybe they were sold, maybe they were destroyed. But in theory, there's never going to be more of these. Now on the internet, you can just right click, copy, paste, and you can have a new thing, right? So there is no issue with limit, you know, limited numbers. And so that's the idea with these NFTs is that, okay, if I create, say, a picture or I create a video or something like that and I put an NFT on it, then, you know, you could copy and save it, but anybody can do that. But if you have this certificate, it basically says you have an official version of it and therefore yours has value. So because you have an official one, not just some knockoff. You know, if, if some factory in Vietnam or China or wherever gets a hold of the molds for this, they can make more of these, right? And those ones, if they're made with the same molds, might be completely indistinguishable from mine. So they look exactly the same. But the fact that mine has a certificate with it, you know that mine's one of the official ones and theirs is one of the knockoff ones. It's not an official one. So if you went to auction and I have that certificate, they're like, oh, this is a real one. This one's worth more. Whereas if you have the the second run ones that were made, you know, in a Vietnamese factory or Indonesia or wherever, then people would say, oh, this one doesn't have as much value. And even though they're identical, the only way to tell the difference is the fact that I have a certificate and this other person does not. And arguably, I could even exchange this one. I could buy one of the uh, the newer ones and then say that the ticket is, you know, so it's not actually the item itself that has value. It's the certificate saying this is unique that has value. And if I understand correctly, that's what an NFT really is, is basically saying you have a certificate saying that yours is official in a way. And so, yes, anybody can copy this picture. And anybody can have this picture, but mine is official. And so that's like, that's the idea. So it's like a digital stamp? It's a digital uh, seal, receipt. You know, it's a digital receipt, of, basically. Seal of approval? Yeah, basically, that's that's how I'm understanding it. And and I might be wrong. Korean hasn't said anything in the chat, so I think I'm right so far. Because <laughs> I think he would tell me if I got it wrong. Um, but that's basically what it is. And so now you have a lot of these games... Uh, so you have a lot of these games, like for instance, so that, that, I think that's where a lot of people get confused is because a lot of people are saying, you know, this is stupid. This makes no sense. This is, you know, I, I can just copy this video or I can just right click and save this file. So, you know, oh, you have an official one, who cares? And I think for your average person, that's exactly it. Who cares? Right. I don't care about authenticity. I just care about, I can look at the, vi I can look at the photo. But for collectors, I think that's the appeal is that there's a market for these people who are like, I have an official one and I know it. So it's like a sense of pride in a way. So for your general, you know, it's kind of like um, a baseball card. 
if if I have a baseball card, it doesn't matter if it's rare or if it's common to a kid. It's just a baseball card. That's it. it, it nobody they don't care. You know, they're like, hey, I got a cool baseball card, whatever. But for an adult, they're like, oh, this one's rare. This one's worth money. Right. And and for most people, like if, if I walked up to you and I was like, hey, man, I have this ten thousand dollar baseball card uh, of Nolan Ryan. Do you want it? And you're probably going to say no, right? You're like, I'm Canadian. I, or I'm from France and, and I'm Canadian. I don't give two rats butts about baseball. It's just a piece of paper with a dude's picture on it. It has no value to me. But to a collector, it does have value. And I think that's the idea behind NFTs is that to some people, they have value. Uh, but to your general population, yeah. So so in, in, in both instances, I think in, in some ways, both sides are right. I think some people are right in that these are inherently stupid and they don't have value. But I think other people are right in that, you know, they, they can be worth money because it's the same as any collector's item. It's a beanie baby, right? To somebody, it's worth a lot. And to other people, it's worth nothing. And I think that's... Fuck that. Yeah. yeah, we got lots of bots in the chat recently. I, I just keep blocking them. But uh, I think that's the idea. So, for example, in the the was it the the president or the some some guy high up in square enix basically came out recently and he said um we want to create nfts and games and okay the president of uh, square enix came out and he says you know i i see a future in nfts and games and a lot of people are like this is stupid uh there's no reason to do this why would you ever do it but then i guess the idea originally was so there's, I think there's different ideas on what people are expecting with this. And one of them is, you know, maybe we can make a limited number of things in game. So, for example, right now, if I want to play Final Fantasy 14, I want a certain gear set. You know, I want a certain look. I can go on the, the store and buy it as a microtransaction. But with an NFT, what they might do is make a limited number of those. So they're like, we're only going to sell a thousand of these. And if you don't buy one of the original 1,000, then you, sorry, you just can't get it unless you buy it from somebody else who already has it. So you can trade it with somebody else. So that's the idea is you can get items and trade them kind of like back to uh, Ready Player One. If you've seen the movie, the girl is building, I mean, we don't know she's a girl at the time, but oops, spoiler alert, uh, but she's building an iron giant, right? And she's building it for somebody. Okay, so she even says, you know, I'm, I, she's basically modding the game and she's making this mod specifically for a client. They're paying her for this mod. Right. And nobody else is going to have this Iron Giant. Only that one person could have it. Now, in a game, you could it'd just be as simple as copy and pasting the code. And then you could have thousands of Iron Giants and everybody could have their own one. But in Ready Player One, she's building the one and she's going to sell it to somebody. And then that person is, in theory, the only person that's going to have it. Unless, of course, she makes another one. And I think that's the idea behind an NFT is basically uh, you can verify, I own it. I own this. So if there's any question about whether you should be allowed to have it or shouldn't be allowed to have it, you know, it's like I should be allowed to have it because I have the the data or whatever right here that, that proves I own this. These other people, they don't really own it. And so I think that's kind of the idea in these games is something... Similar to that, maybe not necessarily exactly that. It might be more 
so for instance, you can put NFTs on your characters. So your character can be an NFT. So your character has a value in a way, you know, and you're like, yeah, so it's, uh, so basically it's just for collectors. It's, it's a, it makes something a collector's edition basically. So, uh, yeah, so I've been explaining it for a while. So what's your take on it? I'm looking at your face here and, uh, I'm, si- it's looking I'm, interesting, I'm thinking, so. no, I'm thinking of a few things. First of all, you have a baseball card. It's physical. It's in your hand. It's signed by the player and everything. I don't know anything about baseball, but as an object of value, I know it has value. Fair enough, I have it. It's on my desk. It's in a display. I have it for 17 generation, whatever. If I have something like this in Final Fantasy fourteen, in 10 years, service goes down, finished. I spend money on a collector item which can disappear. Ugh. I don't see the point, except not video games, but we hear a lot of of meta, you know, these days, like um, Ready Player One again, but uh, because of the COVID and everything, companies want to make a meta space for their employees so that you can connect and have your uh, digital space. And so if you want to have your avatar NFTs and you can have it cross game and have it, you know, like in every game and every meta space and everything uh, okay so you have your identity and no one can steal it steal it in a way yes i can understand otherwise i f- see it as a way for rich people to get richer you know collection <laughs> i see i see it as a way for square enix to make even more money because it's gonna sell if they say hey here's a mug plushie digital there's only a thousand of them Gonna go, it's gonna be gone tomorrow morning. They're gonna be scalpers. I'm gonna have a field day on it. Sorry, I, I'm not, I'm not a revolutionist, no revolutionary or something anything like this. But it's really a rich people game, isn't it? That's I don't. <laughs> I mean, it's like any collector's item, and I mean, even a baseball card. You know, they can burn, they can fall apart, they can deteriorate. Over aren't French people revolutionary? Um, but you know, they, they can be destroyed too. And I think a baseball card is a pretty good example because, you know, now like some baseball cards will have certificates that of authenticity because, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe before those things aren't easy to fake, but now I have a scanner, you know, if I have a scanner with a good printer and good card stock, I can effectively recreate a baseball card, assuming it's not holographic or something. And It might be, you know, to to your average person, it might be really hard to tell a real baseball okay. card from a fake one. Fair enough for a baseball card, but think a bit bigger. Think, <laughs> think a, a painting, you know, uh, art, you know, statues, sculpture, painting, collector, you know, collectors are collecting. Okay, for small stuff like stamps, uh, maybe you could scan it and make fakes. But the fakes already exist. Huh? We agree on it. Fakes exist to the Mona Lisa. Yeah, yeah. I mean... And, and that's why you have a certificate to prove that this one is a real one. And you have experts, you know, uh, trained on identifying that this one is uh, the real one. I'm sure you could have the same in a g- digital world. A guy examining a code behind the object to say, yes, there's a little square Enix stamp in there saying that Yes, that's the, the original stuff. Again, I prefer... I'm old-fashioned, sorry. I prefer to... I know that if I have a physical thing and I take care of it, and of course, if there's no flood or fire in my house or anything, but that's that's uh, maybe, you know, if I'm not lucky, 
But for your collector item in Final Fantasy XIV, you're definitely going to lose it in 10 or 20 years or whenever the server goes down, because they will go down because games are not eternal. That is just wasted money. But you still have the certificate. And remember, it's not the item that has value. It's the certificate that has value. I have the certificate of something which does not exist anymore. Yeah, which makes it more valuable. That's that's the logic behind this, you know. The, the point is, is is the certificate is the is the value, yeah. not the item itself. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused is is thinking the the item itself is is basically worthless, you know. And and I and I think that's kind of the idea is it's basically it's bragging rights. It's entirely bragging rights. The item itself does not exist. It's digital. <laughs> that's the point. Right. So as Korean says, the. Uh, it always exists on the blockchain, which doesn't shut down when the company shuts down. So, the, 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 yeah, so you might not have access to that character. So, the character, yeah, the character doesn't exist, or maybe they exist as code, but you can't access them because there's no game for the character to be in. But that's not the point. The point is that you have this NFT, you have this code or whatever, you have the certificate saying that, you know, you have the value of the item. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing. And I mean, even, was it the Mona Lisa? There was I'm, I'm trying to look up the guy's name, but uh, it was it Evis Chadron. I don't know, but there was a guy, and, and what he did is he either he stole the Mona Lisa or he got somebody. Else, I think he got somebody else to steal the Mona Lisa, and he he was a master forger, so he made forgeries of this of the Mona Lisa, and then he went around talking to different people, telling them like, "Oh, I have the Mona Lisa. Do you want to buy it?" And so he kept selling people his forgeries, but the thing is, is after a while, they can't tell which one, you know, they couldn't tell which one was the original one and which one was his forgery because he was really good at it. So, you know, the only thing that distinguishes the real Mona Lisa from a fake one is somebody coming along and saying, this one's official. <laughs> so your average person walking around the Louvre, uh, it, well, they can't tell. I, I, I don't want to be definitive on this, but I'm pretty sure there's uh, scientific methods, you know, like uh, taking... A sample of the pigment of the painting, you know, yeah, and uh, analyze it and match it to you know the period and everything to you know confirm which one is you know like they just go to the lab and uh, you know do some science experiment and say no this one's a real one they could do that it's expensive of course but if if it's worth it but the Vinci's own students made copies yeah. of the Mona Lisa <laughs> yeah, exactly. so there are some so, from that era. <laughs> So I'm saying, uh, Korean's question, final question for you too. What do you think would happen to Final Fantasy community if Square Enix just forced NFT on them? 20% player loss? No. I mean, no. If, if if they just go to the, um, what's called, the Moogle station? Mog, the Mog station. Mog station? If they just say, you can buy um, this Mog mount and there's only a thousand of them and we make it official tomorrow it's sold huh? you know people are gonna jump on it mate oh yeah and uh, yeah and uh, I'm, I'm seeing i'm thinking that uh, when you own a sculpture uh, it's more like the a long game you collect it for your all of your lifetime and maybe you sell it at the end of your life or something like this you keep it for 50 years uh, for for this mug mount you have it for two months and say go back to the market and sell it and it's going to be sell, sold 10 times just to make money out of it. Or I'm just seeing it. NFTs are a much faster period, not really to collect the object itself, but to make money out of it. Because as you said, it doesn't exist. So it's really just yeah. to make money. 
I think a Square Enix, the good, the best example would probably be housing, uh, just because there are there is limited housing. There's only so many houses per server, and and it's huge for people trying to get housing. And I think this was one of the problems: is people used to be able to trade housing or buy multiple houses, and some people were buying multiple houses, and the housing market was just going straight up, and new players weren't able to buy it. And I think if we saw it in NFTs, it would just be exactly that. It would be it would be the exact same thing that we saw earlier. So I don't think they'd lose too much player base. I do. I did hear that he wasn't talking about Final Fantasy specifically. He was talking about make maybe making new games with NFTs, probably mobile games uh, with NFTs. So I don't think it would be added to Final Fantasy fourteen or future Final Fantasy games. But the other argument that I've heard is that for NFTs, they're entirely unnecessary because from what I've heard, they're saying. Okay, so if the idea is to create a limited supply of something, or even if you want to know who officially has one or who officially does not have one, it's just a matter of, you know, like they have. Okay, so for instance, if I buy something on MogStation, there's a record that says I own it, right? Because obviously I can mm-hmm. access it on my account. So why do we need a blockchain? You know, there's there's the the idea of a blockchain, I guess, is that it lasts in perpetuity. So even if they do shut down the the servers, there's still something out there uh, that I can still verify this. But from a gaming perspective, from what I've heard, blockchains, because they are blockchains, you know, then basically it's similar to cryptocurrency where, you, you know, people are farming it basically and creating all this stuff over and over and over again. And I think part of the reason that gamers, from what I've seen, people arguing against it, one of the biggest arguments is encouraging these sort of things is just going to make getting a graphics card that much harder in the future. <laughs> uh, and so because of that, then people are saying, yeah, just th- there's there's better ways to do it that's more energy efficient and doesn't put a strain on the, the graphics card economy. Why are you basically NFTs are just you're, you're creating a problem that doesn't exist and you're just making making something harder that something that you can already do you're making it more difficult so i think that's the argument usually against it but uh again i think it's it's a matter of perspective for for most people out there yeah it's worthless it's it's nothing who cares if i have a something saying that this is you know officially my jpeg i can you know everyone else can still download it but mine's official you know it's basically just bragging rights so there's a market for it but i think most of your population is not going to care too much. Uh, Honestly, so. um, just thinking that, you know, we know because we make videos and we were talking about it just before. We know that when we make videos, sometimes you go to DeviantArt to find the picture which goes well with your videos. But these pictures, most of the times, have rights, you know, owner rights on it. And you can't just take it and put it on your videos like this. So at least you have to ask the guy who made it. Isn't that a sort of NFT that they already have copyrights on it? No, they are already... No, because there's no blockchain. That's the only difference. (laughs) Yeah. No, I just... I I feel old like this. You know, I'm like... I'm trying to understand. I see the point. But there's no point. No, just not my my thing, I guess. Not my generation, I guess, anymore. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's the exact same argument that you can make with something like uh, Star Wars action figures or baseball cards or something like this. You know, for me, it's like, okay, you know, for me, I'm like, hey, I like it. I'm going to put it out here. And for a collector, they're like, no, it needs to stay in the box. So it has its, you know, it has its, it has its 
it's value retained and you know so for collectors and stuff and then for uh, you know if i was a, a five-year-old kid i wouldn't put it on a shelf i would play with that thing all the time right but with a you know as an adult they were like oh you know i don't want it to get it broken or something like that so you just stick it on a shelf and you never play with it so i i think it's just a matter of different perspectives different people want different things and for some people i think it's got value but i think for most people it doesn't so i think it's one of those things where it's it's misunderstood kind of on both sides i think i think people who are very against it don't really understand what an nft is or the value of it and i think the people who put a lot of value in it don't understand the common sense that other people are coming from in a way <laughs> they really so. made it hard to understand to be honest i, I they do if you look online explain it thanks for the explanation because i read it online i was like what is that i just i, I think that's good I think that's part of this. I think that's part of it. And this is part of the reason why people think it's a scam is, is it, it does often seem that people are making it way more difficult to understand than it should be. So people are explaining it in these really bizarre, you know, these really kind of technical ways that make it really difficult for people to understand. And I think the idea is if you don't understand it, you think, oh, this is smart or, oh, this is valuable. You know what I mean? So I, I think there, I think there is some purposeful confusion out there. And then I think because I've heard, uh, for example, people are putting NFTs on Olive Garden restaurants. So they'll be like, I'll create an NFT for this Olive Garden. I have the official token for this Olive Garden. You don't own that Olive Garden. It's just a random restaurant in your neighborhood. But, you know, why do you own the NFT for it? Right. But the fact that people can do things like that, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, the value is going up. And 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 I think that makes a lot of other people look at it and be like, no, this is a joke. And I, I think that's. I think I think that's why there's a lot of misunderstanding is is uh there definitely are people that are trying to con on this. So mm-hmm. but we went along. That was a long topic for that one. We still got a few yeah. more. <laughs> we, uh, All right. we only have ten minutes left. Yeah, we can do one more. Let's see. Uh let's do free to play gaming. Uh so what do you think free to play gaming is obviously becoming more common? Games like Genshin Impact have made a a huge splash. I mean, Genshin Impact is, is massive right now. I would say it's probably the largest free-to-play game in terms of... Uh, that's not a multiplayer game. Well, okay, I would say it's the biggest gotcha game because as it's on console. It's not on mobile. You don't see too many of those. We do see we do see some free games like Fortnite and stuff like that. But what do you think... Uh, what, what do you think... Do you think we're going to be seeing more free-to-play games in the coming future? Do you think that's going to become kind of a trend Was companies... For example... Uh, with Game Pass, uh, Halo Infinite now is adding microtransactions because obviously if they're not selling the game, then they're not making money off the sale of the game. So instead, uh, they're, they're making money off of microtransactions. Do you think we're going to be seeing more of this or do you think we're going to this year is uh, going to still see kind of the traditional uh, Horizon Zero Dawn or Forbidden West kind of game where you get just buy the game and you have? Um, there's two things here. First, we talked with Phil before. The fact that uh, mobile games, so on uh, on phones and everything, are always most of the time free or freemium, and they are taking a part of the market which is you know growing bigger and bigger. And we said you know mobile gaming like this, whether you like it or not, is the future of gaming. So why should it stay on mobile since you can already play on it with on computer with BlueStack? 
So I think, you know, Genshin Impact, it's just a mobile game that you put on your computer again. That's, that's just how it is. And it works. As you can see, Genshin Impact is working very well. I played it. I found it fun, although it's a bit inspired by Breath of the Wild, but many games are. I found it a bit empty, but you know, the system is... I'm not a big gacha fan, that's why. So I'm not... I'm a bit biased there. But it's a cute game. It's fun. It's nice, whatever. Even though there's um, some some issues with the game, it works. It's not for me because I'm not a big fan of microtransaction and gacha. So, la, la. <laughs> Two bad points. But if you think of the success of this game... I don't see why not. And you've mentioned Fortnite. That's you have a big template for this arena. How do you call this? Like battle royale game. You know, PUBG, Tarkov, Fortnite. Whatever. They are all the same, just slightly different here and there. But they are. Correct me if I'm wrong. They are all free, right? Just you know, you have to buy at least on Fortnite. It's free, but you have to buy a battle pass to access certain items and everything. But my son is he's playing Fortnite with his friend and I haven't buy a, bought a, a battle pass in a while for him. So it's fun, you know, like if you want to play without playing, paying money, it works. So, yep. you know, <laughs> why not? Does that mean that the quality is not there? Or maybe, I don't know. Uh, Fortnite in terms of quality is very, very good. I think it's pretty... It's Pretty good, nothing to complain about. As I was saying, uh, Genshin Impact uh, is extremely inspired and a bit empty at times. So, you know, the story-wise is... Uh, you have a script on one page, maybe, something like this. So, <laughs> you know, you can feel that it's a free game because there's not a big quality story behind. So it's not sort of the same way as a game which has been developed for five or six years, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, we are still talking about the lore right now because it's very in-depth. There's a lot of uh, lot of things to talk about. And I, I think we, you're going to still see the classical game like this because they are much more in-depth. There's much more love put in this game. And uh, the mobile, uh, the, the Genshin Impact-like free game, I'm pretty sure are going to rise because there's a demand for it, simply. People, especially the younger generation, they like free game. They like to spend money on microtransaction because, you know, it makes you think, hardly spend $2 on this game when, you know, this idiot spent $80 on, you know, Horizon Forbidden West, <laughs> except that down the line in microtransaction you would have spent two hundred dollars. That's that's how they get you. Yeah. See, uh, hi, Phil's dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's spending a lot of money on a mobile game like this on microtransaction. So it depends how you like it. But if you ask, yes, I think it's gonna rise, and I don't think it's gonna rise and make the other part of the market disappear. I think they can perfectly, uh, you know, like live alongside each other because I know that mobile games are not going to be for me. And maybe, you know, like Genshin Impact, I downloaded it, played it two weeks. All right, ah, that was fun. And that's it. I'm not go never going to touch it again. You're so not coming back for the, the updates and whatnot? They added more story. 
New regions. No. No, okay. Yeah. More of the same. Thank you. No. I think Genshin's unique in that most of the free games that we've seen in the past have been multiplayer games like, you know, Fortnite, uh, League of Legends, that sort of thing. But with Genshin, it was an RPG and, and pro- mostly for the most part, single player. You could play co-op, but for the most part, it's single player. So I think that that was kind of interesting and in that it was more, I mean, granted, it is very simplistic. I think it's designed more for a younger audience and also because it's designed to work on mobile i think they kind of had to tone down i mean maybe that was the intention from the beginning but Mm -hmm. uh you know you couldn't put like a a super or i i don't i shouldn't say you couldn't but a a super story heavy game wouldn't work as well on mobile because you know mobile is supposed to be played when you can wherever you can you know if, if you're chopping up conversations left and right and i mean even final fantasy 14 sometimes will give you warnings and say uh you know this next cutscene is going to be very long. So make sure that you have enough time to sit down and watch it. Whereas on a mobile, you know, you, if you're on the bus and you know, you, you don't want to watch, you don't want to sign in on a game on a bus and then just have a conversation and watch a cutscene the entire bus ride. Right. You, yeah, you wanted yeah. to play the game. So I, I think in that sense for a mobile game, it makes sense to kind of reduce the amount of chit chat and all that sort of stuff and pump in more gameplay. But uh, yeah, it it did pretty well. And I think that's the other thing, too, is a game like that needs people. And that's why these games can work. So you have and that's how they make money is you get the fish and the fish probably just play for free. Maybe they buy something, but for the most part, they just play for free. And most people you have are fish. They don't do they don't spend money on the game. You're not making money on those people at all. And then you have some sharks and the sharks are making, you know, they're, they're, they're paying a bit of money. These are the people that will buy maybe, uh, you know, maybe maybe some of the fish will buy Battle Pass. But, you know, sharks are people that will buy the Battle Pass. They'll buy some of the skins they like. They're not investing a lot of money in the game. But then you have the whales and the whales are the people that are where you're making your money. Right. That That's the whole the whole thing. It's the whole uh, casino thing. Right. You make your money off the whales, but the whales aren't going to come. If it's just other whales, the whales are going to come if there's lots of fish and a few sharks. And so I think for a lot of these, like Genshin Impact, offering it for free, you can still make money off of it, but you need to have a lot of people playing it. So for smaller games, for an indie game, it might not work very well because you're not getting that recognition that you need in order to uh, get it out there. So you're not getting that recognition and, and therefore people aren't coming in to play your game and then they're not coming in to to spend money on it so yeah so for games like that it works i think we will see more of those games though because they are making a lot of money it does work that's the thing is you know it makes money and so i i think we're gonna see more of these in the future uh and i think for instance like genshin impact previously we had seen mostly battle royale games mobas i I think we're gonna see a larger uh I think we're going to start to see more of a variety, Vari- of games. variety yeah. a variety of these games. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll probably start seeing some fighting games soon that do it. I'm sure we're going to have some sort of maybe not necessarily Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, but, you know, that kind of game. I don't know of too many out there that are free right now. Is Brawlhalla free? I think maybe. But I'm sure we're going to see more of those coming out. Games like Fall Guys, you know, uh, Among Us, you know, those sort of things. 
I don't know if uh, Among Us has all that many microtransactions in it because I mean, you, what you basically just get hats, right? Uh, you, you but can, that's you can buy a lot of skin. You can buy a lot of skins in there. Oh, can you? But aren't they just colors? <laughs> there's colors. There's hats. There's costumes. There's uh, companions. So oh, okay. There's like right. there's like four or five different types of things you can buy, and they make okay. money out of it. They do. So yeah, I, I think we're going to see more free to play as the game goes on, and I think, for instance, with games like, especially with games like game pass or something like that you know the money is not in the subscription a game company is not going to be making as much money on something like game pass as they would if they just sold it directly um, unless you're like a small indie and, and you're using it to be discovered if you're a triple a game you know for instance outriders they basically said that they had seen almost no return on their investment from you know basically microsoft still owed them money in a way but i think the idea is if you go into that with the mindset from the beginning, this is good. I was going to release this game for free anyway. And I was going to make all my money off of microtransactions. Then something like Game Pass makes a lot of sense. So I think that, yeah, we're going to see a lot more of this coming up. I think. Yeah, so. Agreed. <laughs> that's my prediction. All right. Well, I think that takes us up to the hour. So that's a pretty good timing there. I don't have any news because I figured... If we're just talking about whatever, then we can just keep going until we end. But those are our predictions for the years. Do uh, for the year, not years for the year. So, what do you guys think? Do you agree or disagree? Do you think that VR is going to be not taking off this year, but uh, we might hear a little bit of news? Do you think that NFTs are going to become a new big thing, or do you think they're going to stay niche? And do you think that live service gaming is just going to become more and more common. But we will be seeing more free games in the future. Those are our predictions, or at least my predictions. Uh, I think Antoine and I disagreed on the first one. But uh, other than that, yeah, so thanks for coming. Uh, don't forget, before we leave, don't forget that you do need to subscribe or ring the bell or whatever, so that way you can be here on time. As you noticed, when I was talking about NFTs here, Crean is backing me up or correcting me as need be, and that is because he can enter the chat. And you can too if you are here live with us. So make sure that you get all your notifications set so that you can be here on time and join the chat as well. All right, and with that, we're going to draw an end to the close, and we will see you guys again next week. All right? So have a lovely day, and see you soon. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye-bye.